0: That's B-O-D-I dot com.
1: Real Moms of Bravo. Bravo. Real Moms of Bravo. Real Moms of Bravo. Real Moms of Bravo. Hey, hey, hey. You know it's Vanessa when I start out singing every episode. Just call me Candace. But today we are joined by a very, very special guest. She is known as a dame herself. Dame Galley, Sarah Galley, is here joining us. Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. Hi, ladies. How are we? Happy whatever day of the week it is. We are great. We have a (laughs) jam-packed agenda. But before we get started, Sarah, tell everyone a little bit about your pod if they're not listening to you already.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm the host of the Bravo psychology podcast, Andy Girls, which I like to say is a combo of C-SPAN and Ayanla Fix My Life. That's my little elevator pitch where it's really like diving behind a minutia of the psychology behind the women's behavior, really specifically um, housewives and the ways that our own perspectives uh, shape what we're watching on screen. Every time we talk to Sarah, we're always like, Things get deep. I mean, so
1: things <laughs> get really deep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're usually like, wow, I hadn't thought of it this way. But Sarah's podcast is great. So please check her out if you haven't already. But let's get to the shit show that is Winter House. Uh, Abby, your take on Andrea.
3: Oh, Andrea's Andrea. Um, I think the best way to summarize Andrea is that when he moved. Um, or when he started becoming famous, um, I think it was when he was still in Italy, he changed his last name from Salerno to nug, um, Denver because he liked the Denver nuggets. Like this is the depth of this man. Like, I think it's just like very much what you see is what you get. He is a attractive man who knows he's attractive and knows he can get a lot of girls. And I don't think Paige was aware of how much he knew how hot he was. Um, so I think she's a little bit Kind of surprised by the fact that he's playing the field. But I mean, look at him. Like he's an Italian stallion. Of course he's going to play the field.
2: Can I ask a question about Winterhouse? So I've <laughs> only seen the first episode and I do plan to catch up, but in the interim, because I don't remember this, how were the new people introduced to the cast? Is it through a relationship or is it very obviously, regardless of that, that they were specifically cast for a TV show? It's a little bit of both. So the tie is um, Jules, who is
1: friends with Paige, but- I take that friends like very loosely because their last photo together was when they were in elementary school, middle school and a limited (laughs) two photo shoot. So they have now rekindled this friendship and through Jules, she's friends with these two models, Jason and Gabby. But in watching it, it doesn't feel as organic. Like Jules actually herself like fits in really well. And I would even argue Jason. Gabby to me is kind of like the odd um, girl out, but mm-hmm. I say this because we said this last week. She's so introverted, um, in a painfully
3: group of, yeah,
1: in a group of extroverts that it's kind of painful to watch. So, like for instance, she you know was coming out of her shell, mm-hmm. and she via champagne
3: worth noting. Champagne,
1: they yeah. had a like fancy boil, so they did a craft like another. Not across shrimp boil. A shrimp
3: boil. Yeah. shrimp
1: boil. And they had like a oh. champagne tower and oysters. It was very I mean, honestly, this is like a party I would love to go to. So Gabby's like, you know, boozing it up, having lots and lots of drinks. She's so there she starts speaking some Italian, is it boozed up. She wants Luke. So she says in Italian, I want you inside of me. <gasps>
2: yes. And does she translate it?
1: Yes. No. Well, later. Later. So then she pulls like Luke to the side. And is like, do you know what I said? And she's like, I want you inside of me. And (gasps) he's just like, no, you know. Oh, he's like, thank you. And then she like. Thank you. It was, I felt so bad for her because she basically offered herself, offered herself without any stipulation. She's like, it can be no strings attached. Like, she's like, she just like wanted a fuck buddy. She's like, I want to fuck you. Um, do you want to fuck me? It doesn't have to be more than that. And Luke was like, I see. Thank you. you? Well, I don't know if he said thank you, but basically that was just, a bit. (laughs) it was very awkward, but also I feel like, uh, I mean, maybe not relatable for me, but I feel like this has happened to so many people. It's like a drunken moment captured on camera, but it was very, I felt really bad for her because she got really shut down. Um, and he still like, he has no regrets in shutting
3: her down with that. So yeah, that was,
1: that was pretty cringe.
3: What'd you think, Abby? I just, I think I felt so bad for her. Cause I think she is one of those like shy people and like plays it close to her chest and had too much champagne and champagne drunk is a very different drunk mm-hmm. from any other kind. Con- you know, you say mm-hmm. and do things you would never even do even on mm-hmm. like tequila. And so I just think I like sympathize with her cause we've all said and done stupid things under the influence of champagne. But it wasn't filmed and it wasn't like, I mean, it was just so uncomfortable watching her basically like try so hard to make something happen with Luke and it was shut down. And then she like walks back into like the main like dining room area and Craig and Paige are having a heart to heart. And she's like, Luke, just shut me down. And they, neither one of them says anything to her. They just look at her and then go back to talking. It was so
1: (gasps) sad. I, It's just, she, yeah, I feel bad because truly this girl has been in her room. I feel like the most of the time. And now she's finally out of her room (laughs) and she gets shut down. So another person who gets shut down is Paige. So Andrea takes Paige on a date. He asks her out on a date, and Craig and True Prop during the fashion um, while they're on their date, he's like, I'm really surprised they're on a the date because, you know, he's been telling us that he doesn't want a relationship and has like, doesn't see this going anywhere. So Amanda feels horrible. Cause she's like, oh my gosh, I, how do I tell her? They get drunk at the champagne party. They're coming back from the date. After they came back from the date, they're all chummy. And then, um, hubs gets um, a become... little activated and basically breaks down the news to page that he doesn't have an interest in her in that way. And page, honestly, like I've, I've been in pages shoes. Like it sucks to get rejected by someone or like you so desperately like want a relationship and this guy's like so hot and page was convinced before her date. She was like, uh, her gut was telling her, this guy's like playing me. And then after the date, she's like, he likes me. Like, I think we're going to, you know, go out and hang out after this. And then to find out that he had zero intentions of any of that, I felt bad for her because I've definitely been in her shoes. And then the girls are crying. Um, But we know Paige gets her happy ending. And then Sierra cries. There's some, like, drunken tears because she doesn't want to get too close to Austin. Uh, She doesn't want to, like, like him, but she does.
3: Which that is a whole other thing we need to unpack. Why somebody is attractive and success, like, you know, career focused and like a successful nurse like Sierra is interested in Austin Kroll.
2: Does it make sense? Like while you're watching, does he exhibit any basic tenets of charisma or is it just wildly strict i mean he's tall it's like you ask about his personality and all i can think of is like he's very tall and that does mean something it I, shouldn't mean everything but it is something i feel like they have cute banter
1: like i feel like okay. if watching him with sierra versus madison they have a much more like flirty interaction however you're seeing these two people like like each other for the first time versus Madison and him. We got into it like Mm. once their relationship and coupled up. So I can kind of get that, I guess. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think he's just, I think there's some charm to Austin. We've been Mm -hmm. told by people who've met him that he is nice and charming. I don't, he's not my cup of tea, but I don't know. I don't have a good
3: answer for you for that.
1: (laughs) So the <laughs> answer is no, there isn't anything
3: <laughs> there isn't. He isn't like overly like chivalrous or I think, he, but he does kind of like, and he reminds me of like college guy flirting where it's like, just, you know, I don't know, like kind of like joking and I don't know, like playful, but I yeah, And I will never understand the appeal of Austin Kroll though. I just, I get he's tall, but for me, that's never been like, <laughs> oh, he's tall. Like, you know, <laughs> like I need more than height.
1: We are an equal high opportunist around here. We did never have had like, you must be six
3: feet tall to date me. I love
1: that. Yeah, but we
3: did. Although I've never dated somebody shorter than six foot.
2: Oh, I have. Um, We have you. I yeah, have. I yeah I have. And wow. then my old boss was like, "Oh, I read an article about Tina Fey and her short husband, and I thought of you." And I was like, "Awesome, thank you." <laughs> that is, I think, like shorter men are attractive. Like, there's guys that I thought were cute that were shorter.
3: It just never like.
2: Worked oh yeah, I don't them. care. Turn, I truly, turned into anything. Yeah, my husband I, is yeah. not
1: six foot, but he's like five ten, five eleven. He can probably hear me in the other room. I can
3: see him like walking and like <laughs> correcting me. I have a right theory now. though the guys that say that they're 5'10, 5, 5'11 5, are actually 5'8. 8. 8. Yeah. yeah. Ah! <laughs> not five, eight.
1: He's definitely not 5'8. Uh, but one person who gets someone tall, dark, and handsome is Lindsay with Jason. So this is like the beginning of her kind of hooking up with Jason. Jason to me seems like. I feel horrible for him in the sense that he seems like such a nice guy. This guy's in the kitchen; he's cooking everything. He loves to food. cook. He loves oh, wow. to cook. Like he is really nice. He seems like a really fun. But you know, sadly, it seems like li- nice guys finish last. But Lindsay, um, Abby, you can kind
2: of. Lindsay
3: has like they like start like making out, and she has like emotional like diarrhea. I have no other way to describe Gosh. it, but she's like, I am. Terrified of being in a relationship. I'm terrified of dating. Meanwhile, she's straddling him like mid makeout. She's telling him this, and he's like, It's okay. I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm, you know, like we can take it slow. And I'm like, This poor guy is going to get, I mean, he's going to basically be served as like a, a piece of like lunch meat on Lindsay's next, you know, sandwich. And she's just going to chew him up and spit him out. And she even kind of implied that on Watch What Happens Live. Like, she's like, He's super nice. He's like the greatest guy. Um, she picked him, you know, I think Andy gave her a chance to kind of like throw a dig at Austin after that horrible watch what happens live where Lindsay was in the audience Mm. with Austin. And so she had to pick who was like a better kisser over Austin or Jason and she picked Jason for everything. So I do think like, it seems like they have split obviously, but, um, that it was like friendly and she has like nothing but like great things to say about him. I just think he's just like a really nice guy who also, he was into Gabby. And notice, Gabby was into Luke, so I wonder if, like, maybe he's having a little bit of rejection. Lindsay was just rejected. It's kind of like a natural everyone fit. Everyone
1: is rejecting each other. Like everyone wants up. someone who shouldn't be together. Like the only solid couples are Sarah and Austin, and then Kyle and Amanda because they're engaged. But everyone else is playing like relationship it's pregame. Yeah.
2: Summer House is one of those shows where I truly am befuddled about how much of it is quote unquote real, where I hear about relationship stuff like behind the scenes or after filming and I just get confused with the idea of like, oh wait, are these, do these people really like each other in that way? Are they doing this for like the next season of Summer House, regardless of what's going on in winter times? Like Lindsay and Carl, I I don't, I genuinely, it's not a judgment and I love both of them separately, but like, is that a real thing that's allegedly taking place or is this like a press something or other? I think it's a press thing.
3: And even the way she's answering it, you know, Lindsay's very smart. She's in PR herself. She knows what she's doing. And so she's not really saying yes and not really saying no. And so it's kind of, I think she's trying to drum up the appeal of maybe there'll be some flirtations or a drunken makeout or something, but I think we all know Carl and Lindsay are not going to be in a serious relationship anytime soon or I, just,
2: I That's the thing is like, it's even Lindsay and Austin. I know people were really upset about the watch what happens, um, appearance. And I just was like, Wait, but I, I was struggling so much with the idea that she had feelings for him that I couldn't get past that to understanding that she was really hurt, understandably so, by how he behaved on the episode. Because I was like, but it's Austin. Like, what are we, you're expecting him to be a gentleman based on what? Aside from live TV, like, what indication has he given you that he's going to display a modicum of, like, respect towards women, let alone yourself? I, know. I feel
1: like Austin and I've had guys like this in my life where mm. you get liquid courage and it's like mm-hmm. the person you text and you'll like drunk dial and they answer and you're like, oh my God. And it's like flirty and whatever. And I feel like that was Lindsay and Austin. Like, I feel like they always like cross the line a little bit. And then mm-hmm. they eventually did cross the line and did hook up, which blurred things where Lindsay like has more emotional attachment to him where he has, a dick and doesn't see much
3: more. than what provided. I think so. the thing with Lindsay too, is like, you know, we've all seen her plan, you know, she wants to be mm-hmm. married, wants to have a kid. Like, so I think when she gets any sort of like verbal confirmation that there's attraction there, and then it's acted upon, she is already like creating a new timeline. Like she, you know, I think that's just the way she's programmed. And so then when someone's like, wait a minute, that was just a casual hookup. It's like she gets upset because it's almost like she let herself go deeper mentally with the relationship. Mm. I don't know. I think I love Lindsay though. I mean, we, she's
1: our hub we house. stand
3: the hubs. Yeah,
1: we stand the hubs. Well, let's dive into Salt Lake. Yeah, let's unpack <laughs> this journey that we're gonna go on with Salt Lake, which starts with um, this Italian party that Mary is throwing. And I can't help but laugh at her way of getting back to Whitney because Whitney didn't answer any of her FaceTimes or phone calls is I'm going to tell Whitney to dress up like a slut, <laughs> like, a slutty, like a mafia slut, yeah. like whore, like the most stereotype, like let's go there, like let's have her dress up like a slut.
2: Yeah and then get angry when Whitney is like I'm cool not humiliating herself myself and then your response is like how dare you not participate in this very obvious prank it's an odd turn for someone who is a woman of god to be like I am seeking revenge and I am going to in in Lindsay's terms activate if you don't participate in this while I continue to try to humiliate you it's fascinating
3: I think what's crazy is as like more, like more conversation and the fight developed. So, you know, Whitney's like, I was driving my kids, um, you know, carpool Mm -hmm. and, you know, Mary's like for 24 hours. So, uh, but it sounds like she said in a confessional though, she called her back like four hours later, which I think you have to understand whether you have kids or not, like, if you're in the middle of like, and you're recording Sarah, and I'm trying to, you know, FaceTime you, you're like, I I can't answer you. I'm talking for somebody to somebody for an hour and a half. I have to edit it. I'll call you four hours later. That doesn't mean like you're ignoring the person. Or I feel like this idea that everyone has to stop what they're doing and immediately answer a merry FaceTime is not a reasonable expectation for a friendship. And then to turn it around and be like, you need to be punished for it. It's just such an odd way of interacting with people. It was very interesting
1: to watch the unraveling of Mary and then seeing everything that Whitney shared with Meredith on what she's heard about Mary and everything. It just is starting Mm -hmm. to get a little dark and twisted. I've always, you know, this previous episodes I've kind of learned to enjoy Mary's like eccentric qualities and Mm -hmm. works. Like I always refer to her as an alien because the thing she says and does is so far out there. Like mm. farting on camera, like we can go on and on. Like it's, it's kind of like you can't help but laugh because it's fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. But how she responded to Whitney was like, if you're doing this on camera and freaking out on someone over this and saying these horrible things, what is she doing off camera? Like, I mean, she's going to have a Jen Shah moment. Like someone's going to record her. If, oh, there already are recordings. What am I saying? There's recordings yeah. out there already of her going off on her congregation and speaking poorly of people.
2: I mean, and Whitney tells us what she says off camera because she reads those text messages that are like, you're ugly, blah, 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 plastics, which There's some real self-loathing protective against stuff that she has herself. T- There's a lot of like self-reflective mirror style body shaming happening, but from Whitney, from the perspective of trying to understand Whitney's responses if this person has already texted you these terrible things and you're showing up to this lunch, the second that you s- understand that she has not gotten over this and is obviously still having feelings toward you, why would you respond and say that you love her? It's an odd way of deescalating that serves to only protect the person who's coming at you with a lot of anger or aggression or reactivity or negative feelings whatever you want to say like where is your understanding of the fact that you should not be bullied into friendship like where is the other side of this is if this person is telling you that you're ugly and you're a terrible person whatever else why are you then saying that you love her like where is the it makes it, it's a very odd Kind you know, of I dynamic. was wondering
3: that. And then my mind went to Heather Gay and the way she lets Jen Shaw mm. treat her. And you, ha- I don't know much. I mean, I, you know, I don't live anywhere near
0: Salt mm-hmm. Lake city. I don't
3: mm-hmm. live in a predominantly Mormon area. So I don't have a lot of firsthand experience. I only know what I've looked up. And I think with any religion, you kind of have to take what they put out there at face value versus what people experience but you do have to wonder if there's something with this, the Mormon community and around being perfect. Is that perfect meaning like forgiving everybody, no matter what, Mm. and moving on? Because it seems like Heather was so quick to forgive Jen when Jen compared her to Shrek, you know, and called her an ogre, which a manatee too. Yeah. like those are like, it's just really hurtful when Heather was already kind of dealing with people, critiquing her image because she isn't the stereotypical housewife, which I think majority of us find refreshing. And we're like, finally, somebody not a size zero who has double D boobs and a completely like injected face. And I know she works for beauty lab and gets her Botox and stuff, but I think she looks less fillers and fake to me. And I think she's very open about who she is. So she's a real person in general, but the fact that she was so quick to forgive Jen Shaw and it's like, she was like chasing that approval and that friendship. And then Whitney's doing the same thing with Mary. It's almost like it's like abuse verbally or like mentally is like in their mind, almost like a sign of love. And so it's like, they keep like going back to it. It's very like not to go super deep, but it just makes you wonder what do they experience as kids in this church that they feel like it's okay for people to treat them this way and love those people.
2: Yeah. Where's the standard here? It's like, there's a difference to me between a standard of perfection and some sort of element of self esteem but if the self esteem is inconsequential and what is really important is perfection in the sense of as many people liking you i guess as possible i mean i that's a sort of superficial turn of phrase uh from me but there i think that's a really really good point there surely is some sort of connection but also you're filming housewives so like how much of that has an influence too of the ways that you've been viewed there are season into filming and maybe, you know, Whitney and Heather specifically have gotten a lot of positive attention from fans, I would say, understandably so. So maybe there's an element of that too, where it's like, well, I'm seen as the nice person on camera. So I do have to continue that. It's just so odd when you think of like, you know, there are ways that Mary is able to carry this narrative of being a woman of faith when she was like filming that fake podcast. And And I thought she did a great job of like the prayer or whatever, whatever it was that she was, uh, what she was saying during that recording, during that scene, rather that made sense to me where I was like, okay, I can see this. But when you're, when I'm watching that scene, like at the Italian restaurant, I'm like, what is, who is this person? She just seems very absurdly cruel. And yet, because it's like kind of an LOL because of the ways that. She translates it in her head. I, I, it's a different kind of experience, but she's just a very, I, j- there's no other way to say it except she's like a mean girl. And, and she's a true, bully, so You know,
1: she's a I mean, very big bully. She's a mean alien. Like, yeah, like I said, she's <laughs> an alien. I'm going to stick by that. She's definitely alien. I want to get your take before we um dive into the Jun Shaw of it all, but mm-hmm. Lisa Barlow in this interaction, she has some conflict. What's your all's take on that? So basically Lisa, I feel like my quick hot take on Lisa, she's really good at never acknowledging or owning any part of anything that she does. She's very much like, she's always a victim. It spins around, but she's always like, I say she does a good job of like, she argues like a corporate, like in corporate America. Mm -hmm. I work in corporate America and I feel like She uses corporate terms to navigate her fights. So it's entertaining to me. But I, um, you know, she feels like everyone wants her to choke on her pasta and die. (laughs) Oh
3: my God. (laughs) I love the things she says though. Like she's just so dramatic. Like who else would say that? These women won't be happy until I choke on my pasta and die. Like
2: The sun stuff I can't get over. The fact that she was like, Um, I would have invited you, but you really have to talk to my minor child about the fact that you weren't on the invite list. It was only, it was up to Jack. Like, it wasn't up to me. Like, is this my TV show? Yes. Were we filming for the show? Yes. Was it very obvious that I didn't invite you for a reason? Yes. But really... The problem is my kid, which is like, wow, well, if you didn't understand why the Brooks and Meredith issue was a thing, way to inject your child into this, how do you know that Jen's not going to be like, well, fuck Jack. Like, let me have a conversation with like a 16 year old. Like, why would you do that? It's such a sign of, wonder I mean it's just it is complete bullshit but it makes me love her even more because it's so obviously dumb I love Lisa Barlow I think she's a star I really do think she's a star. breakout star I
1: enjoy star. her I enjoy her a lot I just think her lack of accountability I always say this I think every episode delusion is my number one quality in a housewife mm. that I enjoy to watch and she definitely has that especially in how she navigated that fight But shall we move on to the beauty lab parking lot? Oh, chef's kiss. I have like chills right now, honestly, and like replaying this moment. So we've been waiting as housewives fans. You all know, this has been the moment we've been waiting to see. And I felt like it delivered. In the fact that it also uncovered some things we didn't see. So we get to the beauty lab parking lot. Um, Everyone's kind of getting ready. Jen arrives. She, come, she brought she, snacks. I mean, she, she had no snacks. clue. She brought snacks. Yeah. She brought snacks. Um, Meredith and Mary, Mary. weren't going to be part of this road trip, which, side note, was a six and a half hour drive from Salt Lake Oh Dario. my God. Who would want to? I know. Okay. I know. <laughs> exactly. So she wasn't there. So she brought snacks. And then she gets a phone call. She gets a phone call. She answers the phone call and is like, you know, very calm. I don't even remember all the things she said, other than just like okay. Like I felt like it was a lot of okay's. Mm-hmm. Am I missing anything there? So she gets a phone call, and then after the phone call, she asks Whitney, "Can you un- untake, unpack, or cut off my unplug mic? her mic? Unplug mm-hmm. her mic." And then she steps outside. She's on the. I think she's on the phone again, and then Heather's coming out of Beauty Lab, catches her. And she so calmly says, I have to go. Sharif's dad is in the hospital. He has internal bleeding. And she like didn't miss a beat in how she says that. So then she's like, Heather, she's like, I gotta go. And Heather's like, are you going to tell the girls? So she like, I felt like in that moment, she's like, fuck, I don't want to go tell them, but I'm going to go tell them. Mm -hmm. So she walks back in and says, the yes, girls, I got to go. Sharice's
3: dad, he's internal bleeding. I got to leave. I think my favorite part is she's like, I might catch up with you guys later. Like she made it sound as like, I think she truly thought somehow she'd be like, okay, feds, I'm innocent. Can I go back on this road trip to Vale? <laughs> like, you know, it was just wild to it me. It was
1: weird. So yeah, so she says the internal bleeding. She leaves and then Abby, I will hand off the Oh my God. Was, I think my favorite arrest. part-
3: is the women are all talking like, cause they're like, should we wait? I mean, she seems mm-hmm. like she's just going to check on him, And if he's not having surgery, then she's going to try to meet up with us, which I think as a good friend, I feel the same way. Like we can wait an hour. Like it's a six and a half hour drive, whatever. We'll go get Botox at beauty lab and the productions. Like, are you guys really thinking about delaying this? And they're all talking and you see these police officers Shills. come Shills. up and it's like, they don't notice it. Cause obviously they're looking at it from a different angle. But I love Lisa Barlow. Something's weird. And she sees these people come up. Like, it was just such like a calm statement. I'd be like, holy shit. Why are there all these cops here? Why is NYPD here? Homeland Security's here. Like, what is going on? Like, it was just so wild to me. And I love how, you know, all of these law enforcement people are just like, we just need to check to make sure Jen Shaw's okay. Like, we're like, oh, it's and wild. And they're like a
1: bulletproof vest. Yeah, And I love that Heather walks out and is like, oh man, I'm there. the popo, like the fact that she yeah. says like popo in front
2: of it and she's like, it's NYPD. And they're just like, what's going on? What's going on? I mean, and you know, it's really bad when like the federal government is like, we're just want to make sure she's okay because we don't want you to call her and have her go on the run. So we're going to make this as chill and casual, even though there are like three different forms of policing here, or whatever you want to call it, like- we're just here to say hi. I mean, it it was a wild moment. I was not anticipating the shots of the, whomever, federal authorities, agents, whoever they were. I was not anticipating the moment that we see them through the bus windows. And that given, me even thinking about that genuinely gives me chills because we all know it's coming. Like we all know this is a magical 10, 11 minutes that's going to, uh, become a two hour Michigas, which is what we have to look forward to with the next episode. But I just wasn't anticipating it. So when, it, even though I knew what was going to happen, seeing them in the window and like my body started screaming, I went into shock of like, oh my God, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. But also take your sweet ass time because this is unbelievable setup. And the I thing mean, with, right. I have the thing chills with,
1: right now. Right. Oh, like yeah. complete, about it.
2: Because we know what's happening, but I just wasn't the, the actual, if Housewives is best when there's a little bit of tension, I mean, can you have higher stakes than when the federal government is knocking on the door to your bus? Like, I that's that's a pretty substantial scene and moment to have. The one thing about the Jen call is, I think the person she was referring to was Sharif, that Sharif is Sharif senior... Because isn't one of her kids? Yeah, her kid's a junior. I wonder that too.
3: I think it was actually her husband, not her. She was talking
2: about she was talking about Coach Shaw when she said Sharif Senior to my understanding. So people are wondering in the Bravo sphere what is his reaction to her so quickly being like Sharif's dying, he has internal bleeding. Like knock on computer, why would you want to introduce that idea? Except that obviously she needs to get out of there, and it has to be. Serious enough to give her an excuse without people to to take advantage of the situation. I don't mean that as critique in like the quickest way possible, so that people know not to ask questions. Because if you were like, "Oh, there's something going on," blah blah blah, people would want to know what's happening. If you say there's a medical crisis involving internal bleeding and my husband, who you all know, her friends are going to be respectful enough to obviously not ask questions, but just say we're kind of here for you. I would wonder. If he's watching the episodes or whatever, did he tell her, you know, to turn off the mic and like, just say there's like a medical thing you got to get out of there? Or did he just say, they're coming for you, you need to leave as soon as possible so that this doesn't happen on camera? Like, I wonder what their conversation was like, or is it just the fact that they're dealing with so much right now that it truly doesn't matter, which might be the reality here? It's I mean, wild to he think They must about. have known they were
1: coming. I, I always wonder oh, yeah, how that totally happened too. Off. Like how, how did they call them? Like how, how do you know? How do you know like does someone just unsuspectingly is like asking where they are and if they have access to production? But there's also a lot of theories that internal bleeding was like a code word for the feds or like there's so many Oh yeah. Maybe that people, they had like a safe, whatever the opposite of a safe word is. Yeah. I don't know. But I did find it wild that even when you see the feds, that Heather, her loyalty was like, should I call her? She's like, should I give her a call? And I love that Lisa so quickly is like, no, I would not do that. And I'm just like, yes, Lisa, that's
2: right. <laughs> that's the right thing Well, to
1: do. I
3: love too the, um, Jenny, I think it was Jenny said something like, mm. I don't think, I I don't think it's about Sharif. And Lisa's like, no, it wasn't about Sharif. Like, I think they were like, that was for her to get out of there. And then I think we see in the next episode, but we've seen previews of it. Lisa Barlow calls not one, not two, but six lawyers and all this shit. And I I love it because it's like Sutton got in trouble for talking to one lawyer We're like I feel like Sutton and those women could actually be implicated more because they've probably received gifts from Erica. Mm-hmm. Like there is like this question of where did this money come from? And I know obviously the Salt Lake women have also received stuff from Jen, but there's just more history. There's years of seeing this kind of stuff with Erica where with Jen, we have one season, but I love that Lisa's like, yeah, I'm not going to fuck around. I'm calling six lawyers and we're getting to the bottom of this. Well, and
1: she talked about it on watch what happens live. Mm-hmm. And she basically said she wanted factual information in the moment. So she was seeing who can see what on the docket, like she was looking for, she was like us in the moment. And we, when we all found out she was arrested, we were all like became Google lawyers, um, graduated (laughs) from the school of Google and were on it, trying to get on the phone call. Like that day, I, 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 such a joyous, I mean, it's very twisted to say. Can you you imagine if
3: for some reason she hadn't answered the phone? And it would have actually, oh, she would God, have I been think there. I
2: that so much. Do you like what would? What would that? I get chills like? thinking
3: about that. I'm like, oh, Can which is terrible. Imagine? I'm not like a horrible person that <laughs> no, wants this to see people arrested, this, but like, it, it has
2: you know. nothing to do with being a horrible person. Yeah. It has so, to do with the fact that we're watching, we're unpacking this narrative, and what would have happened if this like crisis point that has never, we have never seen, we we've seen people served with eviction notices on camera, stuff like that, but we've never seen, we've
3: like, never seen a this true out, arrest,
2: right? We've never, well. How did that? No, no, no. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking about like in New Jersey with the hair pull at, um, posh at the fact that was just people get, you know, speeding away. It wasn't like anybody yeah. was arrested. It wasn't like Ashley Malia was like arrested on scene or something for. right, I think care. it was like,
3: later she was served with like right. papers. Um, right, right, and right. like everything with Teresa, we saw her go like off to jail. We saw her come back, but we didn't actually see like a physical arrest or mm-hmm. any, like anything in court. Um. And same same with Air. I mean, she
1: cooperated. I think with Teresa, if you like, she didn't want to have a scene in front of her kids. So (laughs) she knew she had to like turn herself in, if I'm remembering correctly.
3: I think also tax evasion is like a little different because you start getting notices of like, can we see proof of you paying tax? Can we see verification of like your assets? Like you have a little bit more of a heads up versus when you're involved in money fraud, like wiring fraud. And it's like Tom Girardi.
1: Without her being a lawyer. I mean, ultimately, yeah. she was frauding vulnerable people and taking their money.
2: I mean, even in the cases, though, of the Judy Chase, Judah Chase, Judyces, I have to legally, for legal purposes, I have to say all three pronunciations <laughs> of their name when a Teresa comes up in combo. But even Teresa and with the Girardi Mishagas, like there were rumors of stuff that was happening, there were pending, yada, yada. And even though we now know and have an understanding that Jen, knew that something was coming because this has been several years of other people being implicated and indicted. And it was obviously leading to this. There was no understanding of it from like a Bravo community perspective. We had no notice this was coming. So the fact that she continued to film, obviously knowing that something was going to happen says a lot about a person's level of narcissism or, or denial of reality while filming a reality TV show. But I think that does add itself a level of like, holy fucking shit, because while Heather has said she thought Jen's business practices were likely unsavory, it's not that anybody knew this was about to happen, unless you believe like rumors of whatever, blah, 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 which makes it all the more dramatic as we watch it be replayed because like, why are the police in the parking lot? Like, What does that have to... Is it a prank? Because there's no understanding that anyone has for a reason to suspect that it has anything to do with Jen, which makes it so much more interesting to watch it play out because there was no notice to these women and to us. So we're connecting with the shock because we remember feeling it. Yeah. Well, and I
1: also feel like her exchange with Stu... That was mm. kind of chilling oh my because God. I kind of feel like they knew what was happening in a weird way, just like the sentimental aspect of their conversation. And she talked about her business and how she like wants these people to have their lives and like all this bullshit. But I think it plays into everything you're saying. The level of narcissism that she has is that she truly is one of those people who think she can get away with what she was doing and didn't see any wrongdoing in it at all, which is wild to me. I think she's worse than EJ. Personally. Oh, hundred
3: percent. A hundred percent.
1: I mean, considering she's the mastermind and it is interesting in the Bravo sphere. I mean, right now Jen gets a lot of hate, but EJ almost, I feel like gets more. And
3: I think I mean, EJ, I, I think, er, I think Erica got more because we didn't see any remorse or sympathy. And I think the part of it is no one believes that Erica was the one who said to Tom, like you should steal this, these settlement amounts. I don't. And I think there's, a wide, you know, spectrum of people who were like, how much did she know before? What didn't she not like, but no one believes she created the like thought of this, but with Jen Shaw, like you said, Vanessa, she truly was the mastermind. So it's hard to have any sympathy for her because she, I mean, she, she did this all on her own and you'd have to wonder like, how did she get these other people in on the scheme, but what was it promises of wealth and getting them out of debt and living a greater life. And like, you start, I don't know, you have to start to think like for some of these people that were part of it and the price they're going to pay, like, how were they roped into it too? And like, I feel like that's why like, I would put a lot more anger and um, heat on Jen Shaw than I would on Erica. But then I also feel on the same side, like, I think Mary might be more,
2: Mm -hmm. damaging
3: and disturbing to me than Jen Shaw. Yeah. I mean, well, there's just (laughs) something to me about there's one, I, I think defrauding the elderly, terrible because they are more vulnerable, but I think it's also equally as bad to do it to people that are very like devout in their religion. And you're like the way, like, I think about some of the things like where Mary was telling people that they needed to tithe more. And it was like, disgusting that somebody gave her a coach bag instead of like a Louis Vuitton. And these people feel like they're not as close to God because they're not giving Mary a Louis Vuitton. Like that to me is also really, really disturbing.
1: I'm interested to see how that continues, but let's, I know we can talk about Salt Lake all day, but we (laughs) must unpack part one of the Potomac reunion. The ladies, as always, Giselle's fat digs of her fashion never get old mm. to me. That always made me laugh. Let's discuss um, Mia. So <laughs> I'm curious on your take on the full service strip club. Have you guys ever heard of this where you can- I've get never been to a, a strip ch- club, so I don't have much to offer. Chiropractor. <laughs> there, what she said, there's like a chiropractor. Masseuse maybe. Yeah. I
3: mean- I don't think those are like, I think they're massaging- only one area, not like a full body
2: massage. If I had to guess, <laughs> I thought that was for the performers that it was like, that they were taken care of. I didn't know that that was necessarily for the clientele. Oh, maybe Does that makes sense. Like it was like, yeah. Like if you're like a performer, almost like an athletic skill that you have like massage therapy and stuff. And that's what I thought she meant. But I also, I mean, I really don't know.
1: She's in the yeah. I don't like how she, I mean, I feel like she kind of owned it. I don't understand the vaginal rejuvenation aspect, and it's really not my vagina, my business, really, but it's just, I understand the confusion from the women. Okay, Giselle. I was very intrigued by Andy's questioning of Giselle and Jamal mm-hmm. because I feel like we saw more than we've ever really seen from Giselle on this. I also found it interesting that Giselle was not monogamous with Jamal. So Karen saying that Karen's theory of saying that she is the other woman, that Giselle was the other woman when we thought Jamal was cheating on Giselle, but I hadn't thought of it in that way. What's your guys' kind of take on all the Jamal situation?
2: I don't think it was, it, it was, it, led to me feeling more confused than ever when she was sort of trying to backtrack or uh, make sense of what seems to be a very confusing situation and dynamic. I don't know that it was an open relationship. I felt like that was sort of a level of defensiveness or just kind of an answer that she gave in order to try to make this thing that doesn't make sense, make sense. It did confuse me though, the idea that a relationship that split, a divorce happened because of this man's consistent, constant cheating, that would not be someone that I would be interested in pursuing an open relationship with if the major problem was fidelity. And Giselle doesn't seem like somebody who's interested in having an open relationship. So why are we pretending that like, this constant cheater is the guy to have an open relationship with because he considered a monogamous relationship to be a one-sided open relationship. So like, how does that make sense? I
3: think Giselle's just protecting herself. I don't think she ever likes to look like she's the Mm -hmm. fool.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: She doesn't ever want to be a victim. And so, you know, and she kind of talks about it too. Like when, you know, when her kids were, they rebring up when her kids kind of said, we don't have a good example. And Mm -hmm. she was talking about her whole life. She's kind of just put up this like, I have to be really strong. And I just think it was another example of her trying to be like, I can't get hurt. You can't hurt me. Mm-hmm. So it, it didn't hurt me that he cheated because we had, a we weren't in a monogamous relationship when I would have to imagine she believed they were, and it probably was very hurtful to find out he was with other women. Um, and I think also she hates looking stupid. And so I'm sure there's a lot of people mm-hmm. out there. Like how many times does he, does he have to cheat on you before you realize it's not worth bringing up. Are w- worth like trying to get back together with him.
1: I don't, the I want to know. She didn't cry. I'm just she like never really does. that she didn't cry that Andy was like, you didn't cry. He's like, I would cry. And I just,
3: it's very interesting to me, but Abby finish your thought. Oh no. I want her to like open up more. There's gotta be a mm-hmm. reason why she's so robotic and almost like she talked about like the military upbringing. And so you put up a wall and you've got to be strong and um, my husband's family is German. And so I kind of say like, there's kind of like a sense Mm. of that too. Like, um, I read this phrase that, um, Germans believe that struggling is part of the healing process. So like, if you're in pain, you embrace the pain versus like trying to, you know, fix it or ease it. And so I feel like, you know, Giselle kind of has that similar mindset of like, well, the struggle is just part of everything and I don't show Mm -hmm. it. And I just want, I would love to know like what happened in her upbringing? Because I don't think it was just Jamal. I think her whole life, she's been very robotic. And I just would love to know why she doesn't show emotion.
2: Well, how much of that has to do with her being a first lady too, where she felt like her entire life was a performance in the sense that there was, it, it was, it sort of is when you're the pillar of your, um, community based in faith of your church or temple, wherever you are, there is the idea that you are supposed to be the example for your community. I mean, like the literal example of what a faithful, uh, holy union should look like. So for her, suffering may have just been part of the, not the privilege, but the idea of what her role meant. that She had to suffer in silence because she was not allowed to show the effect of what a broken mare or a breaking down marriage would look like. And maybe that just, it was something that maybe she internalized through whatever circumstance of her childhood, but maybe it was developed be- as an adult by, you know, the her husband's the trauma. job. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: interesting. And I do think the women always bring up a solid point on how she loves to go in on everyone's shit, but never on her own. So I'm interested in to see when we get to Nicki Minaj mm. problematic in her own. Right. Well, I'm just going to put that in a little We acknowledge
3: more. it. Yeah. we
1: Acknowledge it. But I'm here for her going in on Giselle and the questioning. I'm also here for Andy going in on Candace. Mm-hmm. I loved his grilling of her. I do think Candace says horrible things and I respect that the women were trying to help her see it. And I really especially loved, and Abby made a meme of this, that Karen was like, Giselle and I know how to do this right. We, know how to feud. we can teach you. We know how to feud without getting like really getting in there.
2: Yeah, and I feel like what's really helpful, there's the idea that Candace is playing by a traditional game. And I think what a lot of people responding to is the idea that it's not the ways that she responds, and as low as she goes, and as much as she tries to manipulate another person's vulnerability, um, you know, that's not normal. What she's saying, what she has said before, the complex. Uh, darkness of what she said about Mia and Mia's body, especially, which has a lot of problematic layers there's a conversation that a lot of people have had in the Bravo sphere about the fact that this isn't normal. And there's been a response of like, of course it is because Karen talks about Giselle's like, quote unquote, fat vagina or whatever. And isn't that the same thing, which I would say is absolutely not. But um, what's really helpful is the fact that these women are saying to her on the couch, what you are doing is not normal and it's unfair and it's not fun. And I think it's helpful for people to acknowledge that if you person at home thought this was normal, the normal art of housewifery, note that no one on the couch currently agrees with you, but Candace, and it's going to come up again. Karen's going to reference it again later on in the reunion. Giselle's going to reference it again, which we've seen in the preview. And I think that's really helpful for people to hear that. Like, it's not just people calling out Candace from like, behind their computer screen. It's also the women on the couch. They are as uncomfortable. Andy is as uncomfortable as many people are at home. I think that's a really helpful thing, hopefully, for people to understand that the people in the cast who started Potomac are saying, this is not Mm -hmm. normal. Her responses are not normal.
1: And I'm excited for the next couple parts where this is also a four part reunion. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, it probably could have been three given the season, but c- because I got Nicki Minaj, I think that will I, I feel like that's going to be part four is what we're mm-hmm. going to get Nikki. but strong start. Um, that's our week in Bravo, which was a solid, solid week. We are getting the ultimate and Andy, what his words, whichever thing, you have to take anything Andy says with a grain of salt, (laughs) but that the next episode of Salt Lake is the best one that he's seen in housewives history. Mm. I will have my popcorn ready. I'm excited to see the car ride to Vail and see how it all continues to unravel. But Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Can you please tell everyone, remind them how they can listen to your show or follow you on Instagram?
2: Yeah, you can listen to Andy's girls, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, including this one, of course. And Follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. I also do a segment on Andy's Girls and on the AG Patreon called Satchels of Gold, which are in, uh, named in honor her Holiness Kelly Lauren Ben Simone and are really listener thoughts and feels, questions and concerns. So if anyone uh, listening has any thoughts about what we discussed or what's happening on Housewives, DM me on IG a satchel at Dame Galley, and you might hear it on a future episode. I love it. Well, this brings us to the end. I'm going to do a quick
1: shout out. My shout out is going to go to Brittany Jean Spears. Today mm. is November 12th and she is a big, big, big court case. So I hope we would, depending on when you hear this, I hope there's positive news, but mm. today is the day she should hopefully, fingers crossed, be fully free from her conservatorship that she's been in for 13 years. Um, if you guys have been
3: listening for a while, you know I'm a Britney stan, so I'm here for it. But that is my mm-hmm.
1: shout-out. Abby, do you have a shout-out before we wrap I was
3: going to give a shout-out. Um, it's been kind of weird. But to Lois, our beloved Lois, yes. who is tiptoeing her way into heaven. She had a stroke. It's so sad. And I'm not trying to say, like, I'm shouting out death, but I think she's such an amazing woman. We should celebrate mm-hmm. her and just, like, enjoy I'm getting, like, teary thinking about her. Yeah passing because she's so great. But I also think we're going to get to celebrate her this season. I'm kind of looking forward to that too. Like just a celebration of Lois's amazing life. And let's not forget her survivor story of sexual abuse Mm -hmm. is insane. And I think her talking about it at her age is like so courageous.
1: Uh, Yes. So much love to the (laughs) Renna Hamlin family and you know, another way, this is a strange pivot, but as we're <laughs> wrapping up, um, there's ways to support us. So if you're interested in helping support your fellow podcasters, please, a simple way of doing that, a free way of doing that is leaving a five-star rating or written review. And if you'd like to, um, you know, not get a Starbucks coffee this week and get something, you know, four times a month, which is on our Patreon, um, Abby and I do our hot takes. We do our hot takes on the latest headlines and things that we've been discussing in the bravo sphere that haven't been shown on camera a lot of off-camera chatter so check that out patreon.com slash real moms of bravo and with that we will catch you next week
0: you will fail so what everybody does but your gym your watch your yoga pants they pretend you won't so when you miss a day eat the pancakes I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are BODY. Start your free trial at BODY.com. That's B O D I dot com.